0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Happy Friday, folks. At least it was, it's not very happy for me because the Red Sox kicked the Yankees' But yesterday, unfortunately, um, and, you know, that I think pretty much ends their chances of winning the AL East. Uh, but we'll start pre-show and Russ just dropped off. Oh, there he is. Um, we'll start with uh, Kevin and a story about snakes.
2: Snakes, yes. I want to talk about snakes or in particular one five-foot snake. Um, the, uh, I just got a text from my daughter this morning. Actually, everyone in our family did and she is uh, she works for a nonprofit in south carolina and she lives down in spartanburg and on my text this morning is a picture of a five-foot snake that they found her and her roommate when they came home uh and found it lying on their sofa a five-foot oh, snake so- yeah. Uh, yeah like and like like i just i'm i hate snakes like i, I hate everything about snakes and my one of my daughter-in-law said well i'm officially never coming to your house again <laughs> I, I, I echoed that that's that sentiment A five foot snakes like like that doesn't happen in michigan uh, like we do not have uh, five foot snakes that sneak into your house and sit and lay on your couch you know that's like goldie uh goldilocks uh you know uh gone awry there a snake uh yeah, chen- that's
0: a tough one but you know we had a bat get into our hotel room once
2: yeah, I, at least up north in Michigan, bats get in your lake houses and cottages yeah. and things and getting
0: a bat is not easy.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you know how uh, Michigan people I don't know that they would do it now, but when I was growing up, you know how Michigan people deal with bats in the uh uh cottages with tennis rackets. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've actually witnessed that. It wasn't it wasn't a pleasant thing.
1: Well uh, a com a common uh, uh animal in, in western New York are woodchucks. Uh and I get a panicked phone call from my mother a few months ago saying, you know, and I'm like, basically asking me to head over and find, and 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 I didn't know what exactly it was. And she's like, there's a woodchuck under my car. I'm like, okay, so what? Oh, you know, would, a woodchuck isn't exactly a snake. No. It's not going to like it would be like a boa constrictor. It's not going to choke you to death. It's not going to even gnaw you. It's, it, I think it's probably as scared of humans as, you know, my mother is of them. So I, I, I didn't get it. And then I, I was over the one day and the woodchuck, uh, probably the same one walked onto the front steps of the, of our little patio in the front and was just sitting there probably like waiting for food. I mean, it's a woodchuck. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not something, you know, it's not a wolf. Well,
2: the other other morning, you know, I, I live kind of where the suburbs meet, uh, you know, a farm life. Um, and uh, I have uh you know a few acres of land, and we have all sorts of wildlife you know skunks and coyotes and deer come by and all that. but the other morning I was up early, and I went outside my uh daughter's dog was staying with us, so I, t- I took him out, and they uh, out from the bushes walked a raccoon and just staring at me like, "What are you doing here on my land?" And I had to remind <laughs> them that actually, this is my land that you're on, you know. And he, he seemed very bitter to see me at 5.45.
0: <laughs> Probably and, not a morning raccoon.
2: He, he, well, no, he was just finishing up his shift. You know, he, yeah, the light yeah. was coming, you know. He and, needed uh, his coffee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, he, you know, he was just stunned uh, to see me. But, uh, you know, in my daughter's house lives a guinea pig. And, you know, I think we're fortunate that uh, the guinea pig did not end up as uh, dinner last night. Yeah. A, snake, a five-foot snake, I would assume, could eat a guinea pig yeah so so needless to say
1: kevin you're not going to be doing a feature story on brent burns and his snakes
2: i I, i'm not i'm not sure he has the snakes anymore i have done that story in the past um uh but i i I think someone told me that uh you know when the kids got older and gone to school and stuff that maybe the snakes uh, went elsewhere but i I don't know if that's true i really don't have any idea
3: so anthony yeah i have a a, uh, snake story actually from this summer to piggyback off kevin Um, when we, during the winter, we didn't get around to collecting all of our leaves. We had a big leaf pile in our backyard. So we got out there, started cleaning things out. We discovered a garter snake with its babies back there. Now it looked like, you know, the, the guy who normally cleans everything was able to kind of get the snake and move it over the other side of the fence. Well, my wife goes out the two days later in the yard and she discovers You know, we just got our first. We we we, uh, we just got the lawn cut, and she goes out there and finds snake pieces of a snake. Basically, it looks like a lawnmower may have gone over it. So Mm -hmm. she has a snake skin. She's showing it to the kids, and all of a sudden, she looks down and there's another garter snake looking up at my wife (laughs) and sort of kind of hissing at her as she's holding up the snake snake. (laughs) skin. And all of a sudden, the snake. Sneaks up into the siding of our house. Like all of a sudden, it runs and goes up, and, and it's somewhere in the siding of our house. So, <laughs> hey, it, it, we it, it might have one sitting on our couch.
2: It's going to be on your couch. I, I you know, I'm <laughs> convinced of it now. You're going to come. It, it may
0: end up there.
3: We actually calls it Astrid. We don't know if it's a girl or a boy. We don't know. She decided to call Astrid out of the blue. I don't know why,
2: but you know, yeah, yeah he's. <laughs> but, He's, he's heading to your couch. Yeah,
1: you, you know you know how a garter, a garter snake keeps up its pants? A garter belt. Probably. Oh boy. Oh, All
0: God. right, I've got something better than that. I, yeah. I, hope
1: so. <laughs> I hope so.
0: We're, yeah, we're in the 21st century and, and apparently Nielsen, the ratings company is not. And so here's a big thing. And it's, I guess it started last October and I hadn't really plugged into it but now it's becoming a, a bigger deal they don't know how to tabulate online streaming for ratings. Oh my God. So here's the thing. And this is when I realized, you know, you could be the NFL and have all the money in the world, but actually the NHL is a better tech league than the NFL. Just because you have a lot of money and a lot of fans doesn't mean you're technologically advanced. And so apparently the NFL is tied into Nielsen where they really need to prove their ratings, especially since they dipped last year quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And, And again dipping quite a bit for the nfl still beats most leagues let's you know be let's be real about that but they don't know how to calculate their online streaming with nielsen in regards to nielsen and so now those games on twitter and all those other games now that they've decided was such a great idea they have a hard time apparently they're having a hard time proving it
2: Um, I just saw something though you know, along those lines because um, it plays into it. There, there's been a lot of discussion now about, and you know, they don't know whether this has always been the case or um, uh, whether that's it's, it's just sort of a recent uh, occurrence post uh, Donald Trump, which is, or you know, leading up to Donald Trump. And that is, is that people, you know, how they're trying to figure out how many people now are lying when they're surveyed or you know if they fill out a nielsen report right are you actually telling the truth are you are you just saying you know uh, impishly just saying something you didn't really watch or yeah. you know i always wondered that i was a nielsen family years and years ago and you really didn't want to put down it was embarrassing that you were watching just trash television you felt like you yeah. should be writing pbs down i remember thinking that i didn't but uh, and it's so electronic
1: kev it shouldn't come down to a report you know I'm
2: well, um, surveys. It is. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Surve- I know for a fact that I was watching Downton Abbey instead of watching Jackass. So, okay. So, yeah. I don't know if that makes you any better, Mike. But, I- <laughs> well, what one pet peeve, and then we'll start the show. Um, one of the like MLB, MLB at bat, and the 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 their their app is one of the best things Uh, over the last few years. It enables me to be able to listen to the Yankee games uh, uh, when, you know, I can't get them in on, on the air um, over the regular radio. But at the beginning of the Red Sox Yankee series for the first time, the MLB at bat, I could not listen to, there were no radio broadcasts. There was some sort of malfunction last night and every game, the audio for both home and away was not available, and they could have picked a worse time to do that. So you know, I, I'll I'll cut them some slack because it's been a it's been a great thing to, to to purchase over the over the last few years. But you know, your timing was terrible. Anyway, okay. Um, that
0: man, The Yankees lost. I think it's good timing. They, so saved they were
1: him. they were winning at the time, Russ. So I blame oh. the, the MLB at that for me not being able to listen because God knows my being able to listen had an effect on the on the game. Oh, right? well, I, I don't know. I was too busy watching the Phillies walk off win against the Marlins. So sorry. Uh-huh. It's against the Marlins, Ed. Don't get too crazy. (laughs) Why why are you watching AAA baseball? Um, (laughs) That's not AAA. Let's be fair. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, August 3rd, 2018. Anthony?
3: I'm Anthony Majer from Center Philly Magazine. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology.
2: Kevin Allen, USA Today Sports. And
1: I'm Michael Ligiello, and this is Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Well, um, for for the first week of August, we had some – A significant amount of news in the last 24 hours. We'll start with the trade, and we can go on and on with uh, on this trade because I think there's a lot of aspects uh, that we can explore. And uh, last night, the Buffalo Sabers and Carolina Hurricanes made a deal. Uh, Going to Carolina was a a third round pick from 2016. Cliff Pooh played for uh, the London Knights and uh, Kingston last year, uh, the Sabres second round pick in 2019, third and sixth round picks in 2020. And going to the Sabres is 26 year old Jeff Skinner who scored 24 goals last year. Now, Kevin, I'll look at, I'm looking at this from the Sabres perspective. This is sort of like a no lose trade because I think Skinner being as young as he is and being, you know, he's a consistent offensive source. I think he is, he's a great addition for them in terms of, you know, putting a scoring winger with Eichel middle, or Middlestad. And if things don't work out, if they don't make the playoffs or don't make a run for the playoffs, because he waived his no-move clause to go to Buffalo, they can flip him at the deadline if they can't sign him to an extension. So I think this is a, a no-lose for Buffalo and a pretty good move by Jason Botterill
2: yeah and I, you know I doubt whether they're really even thinking in those terms of moving them. I, I love this trade from the Buffalo's perspective, and I, um, all of a sudden, I like what Buffalo is doing. Like you know, we talked before, I didn't really like the O'Reilly trade. Uh, I didn't understand why they felt like they had to move that. There are a lot of teams that have um, you know, multiple high salaried players and you know I, I sort of liked their center ice if they would have stayed that. Now saying all that, I like their return on that deal. Uh, I just didn't think they should make the deal. But now, in context uh, with getting Skinner, and the most remarkable thing about what you just said was that he's still 26. Doesn't it feel like Skinner's been around for a decade? He's a very consistent uh, player. He obviously started when he was a teenager. Um, And I like this deal. I was frankly a little surprised. Uh, I thought the yield for Skinner was less than I thought it would be. I mean, he is like – uh, everybody knows what kind of player he is, but he's a consistent goal scorer. Um, Russ, so.
1: Russ I, I I thought that the return that they got, and I told you this last night, I thought the return that they got for Skinner now was consistent with the return that they would have likely have gotten at the, at the deadline as a two-month rental. That's where I'm a little puzzled at this one.
0: Yeah, I, I think the best time would have been at the draft. But, you know, you go back and you look at this, because here's the thing. I would have rather turned some of those picks into my players instantly than waiting for a 2020, waiting for a 2019, because you don't know where the Sabres are going to be now. I know the fallback, like I I read an article in the Carolina Observer, the fallback is, well, the Sabres still won't be that good, so this will be a high second-round pick. Yeah, you hope. You don't know that now. Jeff Skinner could score 37 goals with them, and then that may make all the difference. Here's the thing from the Carolina perspective. Cliff Pooh is a decent player. he gets a lot of points because he's already had a pro body for a couple years he's a big guy playing in the ohl his speed's good but it's not great so i don't know what that means going forward with today's nhl as we keep ramping up with speed every couple of years Mm so the return's okay you know like again a 2020 i don't love i can't believe they couldn't even get a conditional first if if you know if skinner signed with them long term you couldn't get a conditional first like that that to me is a little surprising the other thing is, Don Meehan made sure to say that Jeff Skinner never asked to be traded. And I think this is the part that's rubbing the fan base the wrong way. Because again, now this is the last guy that they've moved out that everybody loves there. And now fans really don't know what kind of team they have. They don't know who to root for yet. I know Carolina's hoping that Svechnikov is a superstar.
1: Right. But
0: you just took out 30 guaranteed goals and you're going to replace that. With you know a young Svechnikov and Neches, and you're hoping you're gonna get those goals back in the yeah. first year, they may not.
2: What's interesting about this is how often do you hear a GM in all sports say, you know, we're not gonna make a trade just to make a trade. We're not gonna have change just for change sake. But right. essentially Don Waddell um, has said that that this is a was a trade for trade or change yeah. sake. Yeah, you know, that we needed to change what we what what we had wasn't working. We just felt that we needed a change look, and probably he did too. Um, and so that's what they, you know, made the deal. Now, you know, I guess we're going to have to wait and see whether that uh, philosophy is going to pay off. But um, I, you know, th- certainly everybody knew they were going to trade Skinner. Um, he uh, it was talked about a lot at the draft. Um, there weren't as many people um, competing for that deal as I think the Hurricanes originally thought there would be. So um you know it's a good fit for the sabers and i think uh uh the hurricanes are kind of happy to sort of move on have uh more cap space they like the the sort of new look they now have with the changes they've made and we'll have to see i mean what i like where does this leave both of these teams like i think hurricanes are exactly where they were last year where maybe they're this is the year they sort of move up and maybe it isn't and you know, Buffalo, where I thought, you know, still feel it's going to take a while. I'm really bullish on them because I like the middle stat Eichel connection and I like some of their younger players. And obviously, we know they've added Darlene. and.
0: Uh, middle stat with Skinner now, let him bring him along. That'd be yeah. great.
2: Yeah. yeah. Could, could they? Here's the question Could they possibly? Compete for a playoff spot. I I, I, I don't,
1: I don't know, and I want to get Anthony's thoughts on this, but I'll just tell you from the from the Buffalo perspective here. I look at them and I'm like, yeah, I'm impressed with, you know. Adding Berglund, adding Svobodka to like sort of the middle, maybe second, third line, that I think that gives them some experience. I think Middle Stat's ready to, you know, blossom in, in, his, in his, his rookie year. He's been very, it was very impressive at the end of the year. And Eichel, if he can stay healthy, Opozo, stay healthy. There's a lot of stay healthies on this team. Um, but but Skinner is, is a good add. My question is, now your goaltending tandem is an inexperienced Linus Olmark with Carter Hutton. And I don't care what Carter Hutton did last year. I still consider Carter, Carter Hutton sort of a 1B type of goaltender. I don't think he can handle 50-55 games. I think Olmark is the guy who they see as the future number one. So it's at best, it's going to be a, a tandem. And their defense, past Ristolainen and Darlene is very questionable, so I think those factors keep them out of on the outside looking into the playoffs. But they have made progress. Now, Anthony, what, what, what did you think of this deal?
3: My thought on it was again, and, I, and as much as I like Jeff Skinner as a scorer, he's not what we would call certainly a complete forward. Doesn't bite back hard defensively, and I think that does um, that does play a role in regards to the return. And let's face, and again, as we said, teams knew that the Sabers were out shopping him so once you kind of know that and it's out there already it gets a little bit difficult sometimes to get what you believe is going to be the exact return you're looking for Russ I'm not gonna lie, I, I don't think they were going to get a, necessarily get a conditional first per se on this I, I really think that actually when it comes in, in terms of the picks getting that second rounder especially I know it's a little bit of a house a gamble here to see if you know if the Sabres don't improve then that second round pick is a high second round pick so there's a decent chance that that could be a good commodity for the for the Sabers either taking that pick or using that if let's say they're in a potential or I'm sorry for the Hurricanes if um, they're doing a little better than expected um, overall I think if I'm looking at their total lineup right now for the from the Sabers perspective again having Shiri potentially on a second line in this case yeah. and not as a first line player you're playing him you know poten- you know Skinner with Eichel. It's – you know, it's a – de- this Sabres team, I, can't, I I actually do really like how they're structured now. That Berglund now, as as Kevin alluded to with regards to O'Re- the O'Reilly deal, Berglund fits in in that third-line center role, whereas yeah. O'Reilly's yeah. now a second-line center. So if you got Middlestad, um, you know, he, he now fits more seamlessly in the second-line role. There's some concerns defensively, but Gozin
1: could be certainly a little bit better. But um, I'm not even factoring him in because he can't stay healthy. But, know, but, but he, if he does –
3: if he does, then he's a. Le- I think he's a legit number. You know, behind Ristolainen and, and Dahlia, I think he's a legit number three. And then they got to right. figure it out from there.
0: I but think so- could, could be up. a big plus for them if Brendan Gooley has, you know, has matured enough to really be able to play in the NHL and play that same offensive game he played in the AHL. That may be enough for them to be at least a contender late in the season.
1: Yeah, but to but to your point, Anthony, the fact that they've added Middlestat, who is a great, I think is a great skater, and and you and cheery and now Skinner. I mean, the 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 criticism of the Sabres last year was they were pretty slow afoot. They're not slow afoot any longer. And now I think you know they're making inroads in t- to catching up to Tampa and Toronto and to maybe a little bit to a lesser extent Boston, because those teams have really speedy guys. Now, Kevin, the thing I immediately thought when this trade went down is the person who had to be pissed off the most at this deal was Mark Bergman, the GM of the Montreal Canadians, because he's been trying to trade patch already. I read there was an article in the Montreal Gazette earlier in the week that said that it's broken, that he's not going to sign an extension there. He's basically uh, a one-year rental and they want to trade him before the beginning of the season. And the, what the return that Carolina got for Skinner if other teams are using that as a base as a base to offer to Patcharadee, this is not going to get what Bergman wants in return for his team captain.
2: Well, yes and no, but I, you know I think Patcharadee is a much different, different you know player, um, and uh, you know you factor in his leadership ability and you know the fact his his scoring levels at much higher. He's a more dangerous player, I think people would. Uh, would say. So, yeah, I, you know, I still think that's going to get done and there's so many teams looking for scoring. I, I mm-hmm. think you have more options for passion ready than, um, than Carolina had for Skinner. So uh, I, 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 still think there's, there's time. I mean, the days when you had to get everything done in the draft, I've had several generals tell me, general managers tell me that the, the, you know those, those days are gone. You know, you know, you start to, to you know, leave money aside because, Oftentimes there are some bargains that are floating around out there that you can get, and right. part of the strategy is just to sort of uh, do that. Or, and some teams may still need some time to move a couple of players that they're still, you know, talking to other teams. So, um, I wouldn't, if I was Montreal fan base, I wouldn't be too concerned about. Um, you know, they would like to have had it done by now, but I still think they can get it done.
1: Now, Russ, I know you referenced a report regarding the the Hurricanes. I think it was the the one that I read from. Uh, I think it was Luke Dukak of the uh, i think it's yeah. uh, 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 Riley Obs- uh, Riley observer yeah. um, but he talked or in the conference call with Don Waddell the question of of Justin Falk was brought up now it's a little different with Falk because Falk has 2 years left this year and next before he becomes a UFA but it continues to be out there that you know they as part of this like change of uh, just completely changeover of 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 the hurricanes that he's the the next to go, and I do know, and I'm going to write about this today. With the Leafs having 14 million dollars in available cap space and a definite need for defense, I continue to go back to Falk to Toronto because that it just makes too much sense.
0: I don't think Falk's going anywhere until the deadline, though. I don't. I think he's safe right now. I think they want to see what their youngsters look like. Give Brendan Moore a chance to see what what really that team looks like defensively. You know, Mm -hmm. Flurry, you know, he played a lot last year. Is he going to continue to get better? At some point, Jake Bean's going to come in there and that's where Falk, you know, will be expendable, but they may go the whole year and not trade Falk. That wouldn't shock me because Waddell, the way I read that quote was, yeah, we kind of wanted to trade Falk and Skinner, but now that we've traded Skinner, we're good.
2: What do you believe in Flurry, Russ? Yeah, I do.
0: Uh, I think. I think he could be a really decent defenseman, whether he's going to be somewhere in that, you know, bottom four in the pairing, that's what it will be. But he's he's a pretty good skater for a guy his size. He really has decent stick skills. He's not going to score a ton of goals, not going to be anything like that. But he can move the puck and he can lay hits. And I think, you know, he's a better Jamie Oleksiak kind of player.
1: Yeah, and, and right now – but the thing is right now, I mean, obviously – training camp and injuries will factor in but right now their top two pairings are slated to be dehan and Dougie Hamilton and Slavin and Pesci that means a f- almost five million dollar defenseman and Justin Falk will be on the bottom pairing now maybe he'll get power play time but I think Hamilton will probably be the first power play guy I mean they may you may be right, Russ. They may hold on to Falk until the deadline because he's a right-hand shot defenseman. He's experienced. He's offensive. And they maybe can maximize what they get for him. But I, I you know, I mean, I, I would have thought they would have held on to Skinner, and they didn't. I, I Right now, I, I'm, I question all the decisions made with Carolina because some of them just don't seem to be the right ones.
3: The slotting, again, you're accounting for them probably going to have Andrei Svechnikov in the lineup. Yeah. 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 That's you know that it's you can say it's a little bit of a gamble. Uh, Zykov, who obviously Russ and I saw uh, playing against the Phantoms uh, with with Charlotte, Zykov's, you know potentially going to be figure going to be getting figuring into this. It's when you get a little lower in the lineup where it gets kind of a little bit more interesting when you're playing like a Michael Ferland on the second line in this case where he might be a little bit better on a third line situation. So, forward wise, I definitely get your your concern there, Michael. I definitely do because once you get down the line four. It gets a little bit dicey when you have a Jordan Martin Nuke in this case who's yeah. an interesting player and Victor Rask, but again, defensively they're I think they can sort of if, if Falk is still there, they can still sort of dribbing like dribs and drabs a little bit of flurry, not throwing him in too much. And then as he goes along, right he looks really good, then potentially you, you begin to take you ex- examine shipping
2: off Falk. Fox's going to get Fox going to get his minutes. He's uh, gonna like,
3: have yeah, to, yeah, he's not going to be down in third pairing. If anything, I can see Pesci potentially being down a little further. If,
2: yeah, if, yeah, Fox still going to play. You know, Falk minutes. I I don't see him. You know, suddenly being a legitimate third pairing. I I just think that's you know because the, the you know they have a really good defense now.
1: Yeah, it would be it
2: would be a waste to put him down there. Yeah. Yeah. Showcase him,
3: Mike. If you're going to try to trade him, you got to you have to make sure right. to show you have, him have to have him play his role.
2: Yeah, right. And I, you know, I agree that Hamilton is a great power play performer, but you know, Fox got that shot. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's got to get his time too. So, yeah.
1: Okay. Um, I'm, as I'm chewing ice, sorry. Um, the uh, the salary arbitration um situation over the last week or so has gotten pretty interesting. Um, uh, the numbers came out for William Carlson for Vegas and. As with some of the Ottawa Senators players, the Gulf, you could drive a Mack truck through. Uh, Vegas offered three and a half million for a guy who scored 43 goals last year. The agent for Carlson asked for six and a half. So that probably is headed for some sort of settlement or they'll go to go to the hearing and, and determine uh, what that will be and probably end up in the middle. Um, Cody Cece's award with Ottawa is expected today. Um, it doesn't appear that Ottawa is going to settle, but they did settle with Mark Stone, and this is the interesting one. It was just below the high-water high mark for arbitration awards. Uh, Shea Weber was $7.5 million a few years ago. Uh, Stone settles for a one-year $7.35 million uh, um, award, uh, uh, or, sorry, a one-year contract. Now, this is the interesting thing, Kevin. Now, Ottawa, in the tenuous position that they are, you look at them right now, Matt Duchesne, Mar, uh, Stone, and Eric Carlson, all in the final years of their contracts, all UFAs, I wouldn't, you couldn't pay me enough to be Pierre Dorian right now.
2: Yeah, no, he's in a bad situation. And, um, yeah, the only thing I would say is that there's been talk that Duchesne would like to stay there. Um, but, you know, that's just not a good situation to be in. When your team's on the on way down – obviously Eric Carlson is not going to be there. Um, You know, what's the lure for players to to resign there. And that's, uh, uh, and you know, I, I think they sort of need stone, you know, you got to sell hope to the fans that you're, you know, that the uh, turnaround is not going to take forever. So um, that's, that's a real tough situation. And, um, you know, I agree with you. I wouldn't want to be Dorian right now.
1: I mean, I mean Russ right right now it's like stone he's you know he's one year away from being a complete free agent at age twenty seven if Ottawa wants to keep him, they're gonna have to overpay him so we're talking we're probably talking eight and a half nine million dollars on a on a long term deal if they want to get him locked up
0: yeah he'll he'll want like eight point two five for eight like that's what he'll want the thing about it is. If you remember, I said I thought Stone would set the record at 775. I think Ottawa was worried about that. And that's why they settled on that number. Because, and, and so this way they could at least save something and it wouldn't go to arbitration. Because that, again, people think it, some people thought it was crazy that he got that number. But again, 18, I think, of his 20 goals, were even strength. He's their best assist guy other than Carlson. Like he is their engine of that team. You lose Mark Stone, that team is the worst in the yeah. league
2: yeah yourself.
3: yeah at least from my perspective again when, when looking at you know with with stone again as soon as you saw the arbitration numbers at five million for the senators and nine million for him you knew seven million, somewhere in that seven million range was going to end up being the difference it was just a case of if you could give him a little if you could give him a little bit more to avoid that meeting as soon as i saw what the number was this morning i said that's exactly basically what happened they, it was a way to literally sort of split the difference to make sure he doesn't get the record number right but get a deal in place for him to play during the season. So now, now in the Sens are just a really interesting spot right now. Guys in this that are going Kevin,
1: Kevin, are you of the opinion that it's sort of the the line is passed from with Carlson, where teams, uh, you know, if there are interested teams out there, they realize that there is no trading for him and extending him that he's a pure one-year rental and that's probably what ottawa is going to get in return for him
2: yeah it sure seems that way um yeah and and you you can't blame them i mean uh you know you you uh you know the reason this is set up this way is so that top players can uh you know exercise free agency spilled during the prime of their careers and Mm -hmm. interestingly enough amazingly enough really that it hasn't worked that way in the NHL and the salary cap, you know, most of them have chosen not to explore free agency, and have uh, re-up with their team. So, you know, it's really going to be interesting. We just had John Tavares, obviously, right? He did, and now we're going to see uh, Carlson. It looks like, um, and you know, it will be a very similar type uh, situation where uh, you know it'll come down to where he feels the, you know, he best uh, fits and. I don't blame uh, Carlson for uh, you know wanting to test the market and seeing what's out there because everything could be changed dramatically right in, in a season. So,
1: well, do you, do you th- and I want everybody's thought on this? Do you think and we, I know the Eck and I talked about this on one of one of the shows last week. Do you think that the Tavares? Signing with Toronto is sort of a paradigm shift in the league where now you know the, the star players are gonna be more willing, like the like in the NBA or major league baseball, they'll be more willing to pick up stakes and move, or this was a one-off where the Islanders were just a disaster and he and he had to move or wanted to move and ended up going to his hometown team. I mean, I I, I personally think that you know, you're going to see Carlson move, but I think that you know, maybe Tyler Sagan moves. I mean, I, I think there's more of a willingness of these really big, impactful players to maybe try other places.
2: Yeah, um, I, I still think for the most part, teams are going to be able to keep their players. The, the hardest thing now, and we've talked about this before, but it, you know, it's just the truth, and that is, is that is that. Um, you know what drives people in terms of searching uh, for another venue is the desire to win, usually, right. and that's harder to predict. Like, you know, hey, you know, are the Maple Leafs an up and rising team for sure? You know, Tavares had every reason to go uh, to Toronto, but you know, it's no slam dunk. You know, they're one of six or eight or ten teams that you know could win it. It's just much harder to predict. So I think that's why you end up now with players that the number one driving force while winning is still the backdrop at all. It's where they feel like they're going to get the best opportunity or their family fits well, or they fit well, or they like the line mates or, you know, issues that before wouldn't have been as big issue are much bigger now. So I think that's going to, like you're talking about Sagan with Sagan and the the stars believe they're going to get him re-signed. Um, but, uh, you know, for him, it's just a matter of, hey, do I love Dallas or don't I? And I think that's what the case is. Yeah, well, and,
1: their, and their advantage is that Spets' contract is expiring at the end of the year, so that opens up right. like $7.5 million so they can afford it. Ross, what do you think?
0: Well, the one thing I, that I'm, I'm noticing is there's, there's no team that players will go to to play cheap anymore. Like that, you know, it happens in other sports, but in the NHL, there really isn't that team now. Other than Brooks Orbic, but that you knew that was gonna happen because he had been there previously. But other than that, it's really not happening. Like nobody's flocking to the penguins because they think they'll do it again. Nobody's signing like a ridiculously dirt cheap one-year deal to go right now. Everybody's getting their money. Now, do I think that's because of the lockout looming? Yeah, I do. And I think they're they're trying to get you know as much in as they can before that in case it either happens or it starts a season late and they lose some money. But I, I think that's a big factor in the league now, the parity.
3: Yeah, we've already seen, I think, in the NHL in the past where, we, you know, if we're using that NBA equivalency here, Michael, um, I think Kev, to Kevin's word again in terms of the fact that, you know, teams are looking, you know, players are looking to win, obviously. You know, we don't, we're do not we not going to have that Colorado avalanche, you know, joining of K- Paul Correa and Taimou Solani with Sackick and Forsberg. Right. But I think we're going to see much of that because, again, to what Rush just said, I think the lockout – and financial, you know, a solid situation, I think, does work. That said, I do think that, again, with Tavares, it was a unique situation, I think, and it worked. It was the teams on the rise, they're winning. He could be, a, he's going to be a big part of what potentially comes in the future for that team. So, winning, I still think, does trump things. But when you have the loom, when you know, the NBA doesn't have the same sort of situation where things are looming lockout wise for them, they've already, whereas the NHL does.
1: I, I think you'll still have the vet. I think, you know, you could have veterans pick and choose their places. You know, guys who haven't won Stanley cups would want to go to Toronto more, or they're long
3: age wise in a lot of cases, whereas in the NBA, you know, guys
1: I, that are moving that are younger. You know, and, that, and that was sort of, that was the point I was going to, I was going to make is the fact that like, I, you know, and I'm, I'm just using it as an example, like how Chris Kunitz went to, went to Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody could go to Toronto or Tampa to, because they think they have a chance to win a Stanley cup. But, what you see right now going on in Toronto, and I know that Eck had a problem with Kyle Dubas being confident that they could get all these guys signed on contracts. Well, Kyle Dubas is being very patient when it comes to William ne- William Nealander, and I could sense a little bit of frustration in uh, when I was up at the Smash Fest on Wednesday with the fact that he said talk to Kyle about the contract. He wants to get a contract done, but he wants a long term deal, and he wants a certain amount of money and he probably is not going to get what he wants from the Leafs because they have to sign Marner and Matthews and deal with, uh, you know, Jake Gardner's contract. You know, there, there's a number of factors. So I think general managers are sort of going to wait out some of their free agents and try to fit things in. And that's that's the reality of, of, of a hard salary cap. Yep. So... Okay, um, let's touch on a couple of other things, um, Ross. You said that the Hughes brothers are lighting it up at the World Junior Summer Showcase.
0: Yeah, Quinn Hughes right now is playing at a level that, like, nobody in that camp is playing at, and so like he's literally his stop and go ability, his ability to weave in and out of other players, to see, to basically, he can wait till the last possible second to get somebody open for a game-winning goal like a Josh Norris. Like, it's just – it's crazy. And But, again, this is where I caution people because, again, this is the first time guys have been on the ice in a while. What you see now is not always what you see from from players as far as if they don't look great. They will usually get better. Yeah. I don't know if Quinn Hughes could look any better. Like, that's, that's yep. the scary part. Now, Jack Hughes, same thing. I mean, there is this telepathy that definitely exists between yep. the Hughes brothers like – the Sedin's, and if I was Vancouver, I would yeah. already be trying to figure out a way how to get the other one there somehow. For use. yeah. So, but even if that doesn't happen, it's amazing to see it. And and Jack is, you know, Jack's not the biggest guy; he's one hundred sixty-six pounds, and he did get knocked down by Adam Ginning, and Ginning kind of looked over him like like a Radko Gouda's might, and he smiled, and <laughs> you know, he didn't get hurt; he got back up, and it was fine. Actually, Ginning went went to the penalty box. Which is the worst possible thing you could do with the Hughes brothers on the power play? But at the end of the day, Craig Button had the best line that I heard, and he somebody was like, "Well, what do you?" I think it was Gord that, that basically said, "Well, what do you, where do you see Jack Hughes down the road? What do you see him weigh?" he goes, "Well, he's 166 now; he'll probably weigh 168." Like that's you know, these guys are not they're skinny guys, but they're skating and the way they think and the way they use their edges is so good. It really doesn't matter, and that's why I always go back to Sam Gerard and I say Sam Gerard's playing in the NHL at 155 pounds. He has not gained anything. He might be getting stronger. You know, you could definitely gain strength, and I think these guys do gain strength just because you're turning into a man and you gain strength. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's not like you know these guys going to put on 20 pounds of muscle.
1: Not no, that. and and yeah. and I think I think a guy like Jeff Skinner has proved. I mean, yeah. he's he's ah. what 160 pounds. He's not he's not he's not big, a big guy. He's not a tall guy. He's not built like a fireplug, like a Nathan Gerby. He's a, he's a slight guy, but he's incredibly quick. He makes great cuts and he's extremely talented. And Mitch Marner, I mean, I remember the first training camp, Mitch Marner in 2016, uh, at the development camp in July, he was like 162 pounds. And he says, I want to be 170 by training camp. And when I talked to him at training camp, he wouldn't tell me What his weight was because he was no close to 170. Yeah, and we had seen
0: him at the rookie photo shoot like a a month and a half before training camp, and we knew he wasn't going to make it.
2: (laughs) Well, when I talk, whenever there's discussions about weight, I point out that, you know, I covered Steve Eisenman's first training camp. I still have the story that I wrote about him, and I quoted Jimmy DeVolano saying, Steve Eiserman showed up in 153 pounds. <laughs> now, you know the game is different now, but uh, the uh, you know it was rough. It was a rough game in the 1980s, and Steve Eiserman, you know, put on muscle, got heavier, but he was a dominant player as a as a rookie. Um, you know, so you know Hughes is going to be fine, and almost every scout you talk to echoes just what Russ basically said. is that doesn't or Craig Button doesn't really matter what he weighs. He's still going to be dominant.
1: Uh, Okay. One more thing. We talked about this yesterday and uh, I'm not sure. I mean, we know that Seattle is going to be the next expansion franchise. It's only a matter of time, but there was a report out of Seattle regarding the key arena renovation and the uh, amount of that would cost for the renovation went up a hundred million dollars and they believe that it's, it could delay things a little bit when it comes to getting that building ready for the NHL uh, and, and also the NBA, which they have, they have aims of bringing the NBA franchise back to Seattle. Kevin, what have you heard in terms of a timetable for them announcing Seattle and when they expect them to
2: be in the league? Well, it's interesting. When that came out, I actually looked at a story that I did about Seattle, and they admitted, you know, this was several months ago, that that was a possibility, that the building that still needed to be finalized. But And, you know, Gary Bettman has been very consistent about, you know, it'll get done when it gets done. Like, I don't think – I think you have a timetable and fans have a timetable, but I don't think the league actually really does. Like, there's no – uh, you know, pressing reason for them to, to rush them in. So if it takes a little bit longer, I think they're, they're fine with that as impression that I have.
1: Russ, what do you, what do you think of the, the timetable is or what do you think they, they hope the timetable is?
0: Well, I mean, again, we talked about it the other day. As long as this extra 100000000 million isn't a big deal, you know, they're expecting them to break ground sometime to start working on it sometime next year whether that's, you know, and that's a broad thing, right? It could be right after the new year. It could be late in the year. But, you know, if that's the case, they'll be ready by, like, what they think, 2020.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's true. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's anyone suggesting that it's not. But I'm saying if it was delayed, I don't think the NHL would lose enthusiasm. No,
0: I don't think so either. But, you know, you know how it is with these ownership groups. They'll never tell you until it's dire that, yeah, you know what, it's a little bit behind schedule, but again, the hundred million could could do it. Like a hundred million bucks is enough to say, all right, maybe we gotta, you know. And
3: NHL GMs are also not going to be; would certainly be fine, no problem. The longer you delay it, happier right. <laughs> they'll be with regards to trying to figure out, you know, who it is they will potentially lose in an expansion draft. It gives them more time to plan. Yeah, and, yeah, so and many- I,
2: I I guarantee you there will not be a draft set up like george mcphee had like no. they're not giving up multiple players this time and the player yeah. james neal you know if that if we redid that draft hoyle would have traded james neal to another team before he would have lost them that's yeah. my theory it's i, a, I think a, they i think they thought they were going to be able to make a deal with uh mcphee and it never really happened i i, I think the gms are going to approach this completely different i i pity uh, they'll still get a decent team, but they're not going to get what Vegas got.
1: Yeah, to quote Scotty from Star Trek: "Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me." Um, yeah. Now, the the one the one thing the one thing with Seattle that that'll be interesting, and I, I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm reading too much into it, Kev. But with the CBA, um, the ending in 2022, right now, that 650 million dollars that the league will get is not considered hockey related yep. revenue. So I would think that if there's a delay fine, but they want to get that team in there before 2022 because I have a feeling that the PA would <laughs> use that as an issue as uh, to get a part of that money as part of any new CBA.
2: Well, I mean, I mean, I think it's logical to suggest that I, you know, Bill Daley has been asked about that in the past pertaining to the timing of Seattle and the CBA. And he has been, um, you know, adamant that they don't even think about how that works in terms of the CBA. And I, right. I, it would be hard when it, it would be hard for me to believe that the PA could win, um, that from the, the league. Um, You know, I just don't see them giving in on that.
1: I, I agree, but I mean, I, I almost think that the, the NHL used the not going to the Olympics to as, as something as, that they could add on as leverage against the, against the PA for the next negotiation. So I'm sure they'll use anything they can get their hands on as an issue to use as leverage going the other way. I'm, I, you know, cause I, I mean, I think it's a non-issue for the NHL with in regards the, regarding the Olympics in 2022, but they, they're going to play, they're going to play at saying, well, we're not going to go and, and probably use it as, as, some sort of yeah, but, piece. I would agree with
2: that. But
0: they have that out, Mike. After the 1920 season, I mean they could start playing it then. I mean that's that's the one that I'm talking about them being afraid of. I don't think I think if they get past that, 2022 will be okay. I think I think they'll actually agree on something. But if we start hearing, you know, at the end of this season that they need to Think about what they're going to do with that option for for the following season then you know that's when you start to worry a little
2: yeah i don't know what we're going to fight about we're we going to fight about length of contracts I there's guess. always
0: something kev we we're, we yeah. think logically and yeah. then there's always well, something that comes up
2: the yeah. length of contract will be a major issue um you know i i could see owners saying you know we want to go down to five and six right no like that um so i i think that'll be an issue but i you know the split of the money uh, like that has worked like how could either side be unhappy with that well
0: the players hate escrow though you know that well you
2: can't do I mean I I agree with that but you know I say this all the time to agents and nobody has an answer to this there's no way to do a salary cap without an escrow like it it can't be done unless you do a real
0: cap dollar for dollar and there's no way to circumvent it because every dollar you spend is the is the actual cap hit yeah. I think then you might be able to come to some sort of agreement, but they don't seem to want that because they would rather hire good capologists to figure out a way to circumvent it so they could spend more money. But why can't a cap be dollar for dollar? Well, yeah. because
2: players don't want that too. Players want them spending right as well. That's why I'm saying there's, no, there's just no way around it. And escrow, it's just the way, you know, we all live with escrow every year with our mortgages, you know.
1: Yeah. And and. You know? And, er, and earlier in the week, Kevin, I, I wrote about, you know, the, you know way at, at the baseball trade deadline, I mean, there was a lot of movement and, you know, we've I've complained the last couple of years of that the NHL trade deadline is sort of anticlimactic because no, there's not a lot of moves because there's not a lot of cap space and how the league and nothing can be changed until a new CBA, but how the league could sort of, I, I'm not saying do an end around but how they could improve the the trade deadline and make it easier for teams to to have players move and i you know trading cap space like major league baseball does with the international uh, signing pool or you know have sort of a, a similar to a Larry Bird exemption from the NBA i called it the Butch Goring exemption where if you trade a, a an expiring contract it doesn't count against the cap you know something like that i know those are end arounds to the hard hard cap but it allows teams who are you know, budget teams to trade cap space or to get something for nothing. And it allows teams who want to spend money to spend money. I don't see the downside from, from either side.
2: Well, we're already doing that. I mean, we trade players, you know, the dad suks and the prongers and you yeah, know, we, you know, we do, we're, we're doing that now. So we're, we're allowing legalized cap circumvention. Sure. So, so why don't we just add another layer to it? Yeah, no, that's a fair point.
1: Okay, guys, great show. Uh, we will be back uh, next week with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. For Anthony Mangione, for Kevin Allen, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching, and have a good weekend. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey.